0: two of our top core values are God and team and we truly hold to the idea that we've all been created in the image of God and therefore we all deserve to be valued. Additionally, you know, if companies want to attract and retain top talent, it is absolutely incumbent on us to focus on inclusion and belonging. And the thing is, if you achieve that level of engagement, you're not going to have to worry about retention because if your employees can bring their authentic selves to work, they will naturally be working from a place of strength.
1: Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world. You're now one simple tip, practical tool, and small step away from growing your business. One Next Step is brought to you by Belay, the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less. Modern staffing from Belay. And now to your hosts.
2: Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm LZ, and I'm joined as always by my fabulous co-host, Ryan. Hey, Ryan.
1: Hey, LZ. It's so good to be here today. I'm so excited about today's episode, specifically because it's about a subject that is near and dear to us here at Belay, diversity and inclusion. I can't wait for y'all to hear The interview that I did with Tonya Bennis, our talent acquisition recruiter and the DI committee co chair here at Belay, and Beth Thompson, our HR generalist.
2: Yeah, I mean, man, what two fabulous. Team members, we have here at Belay. Did you know that one recent study actually showed that racially and ethnically diverse companies are 35% more likely to perform better? But at the same time, 41% of managers state that they're too busy to implement any kind of diversity and inclusion initiatives. Oh, so sad. So they're going to be sharing with us why diversity and inclusion actually matters for a business, as well as walking us through Belay's own journey.
1: Speaking of busy leaders, LZ, let's talk about Belay for a second. As a business owner, you eventually realize you can't do everything yourself. But hiring is complicated. And what if you only need part-time help? Your job is to be the visionary, but instead you spend countless hours on tasks that could be done easily and arguably better by somebody else. That's where Belay can help with modern subscription staffing. With virtual assistants, bookkeepers, website specialists, and social media managers for growing organizations. Accomplish more, juggle less, Modern Staffing from Belay.
2: Well, I can't wait for our listeners to hear your conversation, Ryan. So let's get started.
1: Tonya, Beth, thank you so much for being with us today. This is gonna be an awesome conversation about diversity inclusion. Before we get started, I'd love to just hear a little bit from you about like why you're so passionate about this and how you found yourself on the front lines of the conversation. Tonya, would you share a little bit
3: with us about your story? Absolutely, Ryan. Um, I would say back in 2020, Christian Bueller she's our chief people officer reached out and asked me to help her start a DNI committee here at Belay and I was like absolutely just because I have a lot of passion around it I grew up as a military brat we lived in several different countries and I was always immersed um, in a variety of different cultures so to be in a setting that isn't diverse um, I always thought was abnormal so I've always been a champion of making sure that everyone, knows that they're seen and that they matter. So when she came to me with that idea, I was like, yes, let, let's definitely do it. I, I think it's very much needed. That's awesome. What about you, Beth?
0: Well, for me, I just raised my hand, really. I joined the efforts that were already in progress um, when I joined Ballet in 2021. And it's kind of interesting because I would say that I had a very different life experience from Tonya. I grew up sort of in a a white middle-class bubble most of my life. And although I was always taught to respect everyone equally, I don't think I really had a clear perspective on just the challenges of individuals from diverse backgrounds. And so I really haven't even shared this story with Tonya, but when I was preparing for my HR certification a few years ago, I came across one of the competencies, which was diversity and inclusion. And honestly, at that time, I sort of, I rolled my eyes and thought, oh, here we go again. And I'm really ashamed to admit that now. But then 2020 happened. And all of the events that came along with COVID, uh, the killing of Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, all of those things began to awaken in me this question about what is really going on here. And so I just started listening. And I started reading. I read um, Ta-Nehisi Coates and Austin Channing Brown and Robin D'Angelo. I started watching films like 1619. And When They See Us, I started listening to Emmanuel Ocho and the uncomfortable conversations with a black man that he started producing. And, you know, it sounds cliche to say that I'm Awakened, but really, I feel like that's what happened. I feel like a convert, and that I can't go back to seeing the world I used the way I used to see it in the past. And so, I am thrilled to get to be part of this at LA.
1: That's really awesome. I feel like for a lot of us, that was an experience we had, whether we had had exposure to it prior to kind of that that moment in time that was, you know, twenty twenty. Uh, but when you look at it from a business purpose, and, and I think so many of us had that experience, but then we step into our professional roles. You know, that wasn't a, for me, that was like a very personal experience. And I was in a, a very religious environment at that time. I worked at a church. And um, and so the intersection of faith and politics and, you know, ethics and all these things really kind of hit really hard. But then when, for for a context like our listeners, uh, you know, a for, you know, for-profit businesses or churches or whatever it might be, organizations they are trying to grow, if you were to say, like, you take those personal learnings where you're at and you apply them into the business, Business settings. I guess I'd just love to hear from you, like as we kind of set up our conversation and talk more about the journey that Belay has been on. Uh, like where why does DNI matter from a business perspective, in in your opinion? Tonya?
3: I would say the business case for the focus on DNI um, is that the cultural, gender, and generational diversity produces cognitive diversity and cognitive diversity leads to stronger decision making and better customer experience. Because of that, it produces revenue for business. But I'd actually love for Beth to continue as to why it's so important.
0: Yeah, I think, as as Tonya pointed out, the business case is clear. And you really don't have to do a whole lot of research to see the statistics on that. I really feel like we've even moved beyond that at this point. I don't think the question is, you know, should we do this? I think the question now is, how can we not do this? There are more than just the business case to encourage us to get involved in this work, you know, a deeper why for why we do it. Uh, And I would say probably the biggest one is the moral case, which is this is just the right thing to do. Here at Belay, two of our top core values are God and team. And we truly hold to the idea that we've all been created in the image of God. And therefore, we all deserve to be valued. Additionally, We are aware of the talent war that's going on. If anybody is aware of that, Belay is aware of that. And, you know, if companies want to attract and retain top talent, it is absolutely incumbent on us to focus on inclusion and belonging because both of those are major drivers of engagement. So if you have a more engaged workforce, you're going to have a more productive workforce because those people are bought into your mission. They feel like they're part of it, like their voice matters, and they're going to bring value to you. And the thing is, if you achieve that level of engagement, you're not going to have to worry about retention. Because if your employees can bring their authentic selves to work, they will naturally be working from a place of strength. And then one of my favorite experts on this topic is Dr. Jarrett Conrad of UKG, and he talks about two other cases for why we want to do this work. One is the career case, and that is the fact that as professionals, really, this is a skill that we need to build. We need to be able to interact with and work with and be productive with diverse teams who have different experiences and different backgrounds. And so if we want to continue as individual professionals to be relevant in the workforce, we've got to build those skills. And then the personal case, which is that Exclusion is painful, and it's painful not only for the victim, but it's painful for the perpetrator. And conversely, inclusion is healing and energizing.
3: Gosh,
1: that's amazing. I know in my hiring experience as building a team here at Belay, uh, one of the first questions many of our candidates ask is about our D&I uh, mm-hmm. you know, initiatives and our approach. And it's not just a box to check. They really want to know the type of community that they're joining and the type of people they're going to work with and that they have the same values. Um, and it, I, I think we have seen the work that we've done and what I've heard from y'all is like, that's made a difference in our, our talent acquisition and the quality of the work that our team is doing. Absolutely. As we jump in, um, I guess I'd love to hear like about Belay's journey specifically for companies who are trying to figure out how to take their next step where they're at or organizations, um, So obviously, you know, you both said we kind of started in 2020, really, um, you know, all across corporate, uh, you know, organizations, some people started well before that, some people are just now trying to figure it out, you know, everybody's in a different place, but that was our starting point. And that's the story we get to tell. That's like where we're at. So I'd love to hear, hey, it's 2020 started. So how did it get started? And you know, what was that initial spark where the company decided to make this a priority?
3: Definitely. Um, So in March of 2020, as we all know, uh, COVID kind of swept the world by storm. And at this point, it officially shut the country down. So originally, you know, I told you that we wanted to start in January. We kind of put that on hold just to see, you know, what was going to happen and stay hopeful. But then we began navigating masks, the lack of toilet tissue, (laughs) being on lockdown um, in our homes. And then coupled with that was the political unrest that was still unfolding. And then the racial divide that just it made it even harder to sit still. And it was like, the time is now, we need to get started. So in the midst of that, um, Krishna was like, Let, let's go. And so we reached out to the managers of each of our departments and asked them to nominate someone that they felt was passionate about DNI or that had spoken up um, about how they were feeling with everything that was going on. And with that, um, we reached out to each of the nominees, all of them, you know, gave an astounding yes, we definitely want to be involved. And we kicked off in June um, of 2020 At the same time, our company released a diversity statement um, that we have front and center on our website to this day. And in fact, Beth and I were talking that a lot of our contractors and even corporate employees came to Belay because of the diversity statement that we put out. Belay also offered us resources to be able to go out and purchase books and videos to become more knowledgeable, the entire company. Um, just to help us all get on that same page and see what we could do better as individuals and even as a company. Uh, We had a lot of low-hanging fruit that we tackled that first year um, in terms of just diversity in the company. I don't know if many people know it, but at that time, we were about 95 percent female and only 5 percent male. And so that in itself was a gap that we needed to fix so that we did have more males that were welcomed uh, into the doors. Same thing with gender um, and age as well. And so we tackled a lot of that upfront and diversified where we were sourcing our talent from to try to really make sure that we were being more representative of everyone um, and then we did implicit bias training as well, company wide and multigenerational training. And it was interesting to see like baby boomers enjoy more of the face to face contact uh, and communication, whereas more millennials and Generation Z would prefer to text you instead. So just learning those differences and trying to close the gap on how we could uh, make that better.
1: I think there are a lot of assumptions that come along with what DNI means. Like, and I think you just you laid out a bunch of different categories there. That's not just racial diversity. When we look at like diversity and inclusion at BA, what are some of those some of those different metrics or those different kind of areas that we're focusing on? Not just the racial side.
3: Well, in the beginning, um, race was one of the big ones, but it was also gender, age, also diversity of thought, um, disability, sexual orientation. Um, pronouns, all of those things are in- completely important. And everything matters. This isn't that one class is better than the other or one is more important? Every single one of them matters. So we wanna make sure there's diversity across the board, even diversity of thought and experiences. Every single one of us came from a different place. We grew up differently with different thoughts, different perspectives. And so all of that matters. What you went through, I, I might not have gone through. So I, I wanna know like, you, what did you go through? What are your thoughts? What are your perspective? Because it just helps us all to grow and be more appreciative of one another.
0: And Ryan, I'll, I'll hop in here and say that another element there is this idea of intersectionality. You know, none of us is, you know, singular, dimensional. We we all have multi-dimensions to our, um, to our personalities and to our life and our experience. And so, for instance, Tony is a Black woman. That's going to be a different set of experiences than a Black man. And so we have to be aware of those things as well, just that it's, it's, This whole conglomeration of your age, your gender, your race, your religion, the way you were raised, your socioeconomic status, all of those things play into who we are as people um, and just really taking the time to listen uh, and getting to know what that means for people.
1: So when we kind of took that first step and we kind of solicited, you know, names from our managers, what was the ask? Like, what is a diversity and inclusion committee? Like, what is the what are we asking um, those people to be a part of? And what is kind of the initiative and the hope to accomplish in that environment?
3: Really, it's a safe space, um, ultimately, for transparency, where you're able to come. Um, We usually meet one hour once a month. Originally, we were meeting for 90 minutes. But it was for you to come and address issues, talk about things that you're seeing personally in the company, in the world that you feel like these are things that we need to address and talk about. Um, To best point, it's getting that conversation going where you're aware of what other people are going through and then coming up with ways and action items of how can we fix this? How can we do better going forward now that we are aware? Let's not turn a blind eye. How can we be more inclusive and make sure that everyone is feeling, you know, welcomed and able to be transparent. It's a safe space. Everything we talked about stayed there, except for action items that did go to leadership of ways that we could do better.
0: And as Tonya said, that first panel of our committee really had a lot of low-hanging fruit to address. And so I feel like they were able to really kind of knock out some action items really fast. And quite honestly, I feel like maybe our second year, we sort of stumbled around a little bit figuring out okay what does the next iteration of this look like as we brought in a new panel of members and and where do we go from here and my encouragement would be nobody has this all figured out nobody knows exactly how to do this right there is no one right way to do this but we keep digging in we keep asking the questions we keep talking and we keep listening and that's really all you can do
1: as we've kind of taken that process and grown and learned how to take next steps, are there other places or other organizations that we've looked to or looked at of how they're navigating this that, that not only are we learning from, but our listeners could learn from as well?
3: Absolutely. One of the um, first couple of places that we looked uh, was Salesforce. They have a really great diversity and inclusion program and a lot of um, employer resource groups. But we aren't the level of Salesforce, so we took a few things from them. Um, Chick-fil-A as well, they actually, um, the two people over there, diversity and inclusion are Brandy and Miles, and they both came and sat with us in one of our meetings to tell us, you know, how to initially do it and then how to keep it ongoing. And again, We are not the size of Chick-fil-A either. And so I think the biggest point in that is you can glean ideas from other companies and reach out to them as resources, but then you have to figure out what works best for you. For us, we said we had to figure out how to belay it. So how to make it work best for belay and what is best for our culture and our people um, and go from there.
0: Right. And I, I sort of used the metaphor of a marriage when Tony and I were speaking about this earlier, which is, you know, a marriage can look good from the outside, but then you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. And it's the same way with matters of diversity, and inclusion and belonging. A company can be doing, doing all the right things and looking good on the outside, but you don't really know what's happening inside that organization. And so really, though, we can grab ideas from other companies and certainly reach out to them for insight and ideas and information sharing, ultimately, we have to look inward, we have to look at what's going on in our organization. What is the experience of the people that work for us? And how do we make sure that it is what we want it to be?
1: That's amazing. So as you know, we're a few years into this now. And that's kind of the the question we're asking, is this what we want it to be? I guess the question I have is like, how are things going and what do you expect in the coming years for us kind of as, as we continue to, to walk this path and make this a core part of our culture?
3: I, I think it's exactly what you just said, Ryan. Like um, we did do a lot of low hanging fruit in the first year. And as Beth just stated, you know, it was kind of feeling it out um, this second year. But now go forward. We feel like we've done really well in terms of our progress and diversity now the focus is more on inclusion and belonging and making sure that, okay, now that everyone's here, does everyone feel welcome? Do they want to stay here? Do they feel like they have a voice and that they're seen? Uh, so the focus going forward now is more on that, on that inclusion and belonging and how can we do better at that? You know, as of course, we're continuing to maintain our diversity, but how are we making sure that once people are here, they want to stay here and Belay is the place that they want to be?
1: That's awesome. Well, Tonya, I'd love to hear from you. Like, were there any tensions that you were feeling while you're obviously excited to help implement this, but also like probably felt a little overwhelmed to kind of carry some of that? So, like, were, what tension did you feel, and and kind of how did you navigate that as you were kind of you know leading the charge of that in the beginning?
3: I will say there was definitely tension. Um, I was very excited about it, but I also felt like that was a lot of pressure. Um, how do you start a DNI committee at a company that's never had it before? And then how how do we measure success? That I think was the scariest part going into it. I will say it was great support um, between Krisha and even our d committee that everyone felt a part. And so everyone was able to give ideas, implement action items and things that they thought we could do better. And so it wasn't just on me to figure it out. So I appreciated that um, that I was able to have a voice, but also be able to speak you know, with other people to determine what, what does this look like for Belay going forward? And so that really helped um, just the community and support that we had. And I mean, it went from leadership all the way down. And I think that was the most critical part, that it wasn't just the committee trying to figure it out. It was becoming a part of our culture. And now it is a very important part of our culture that even people are coming in because of that. And so they're wanting to be a part. So there's more passion around it. So I think that has helped level out the pressure. And now it's just like, okay, what can we do forward and then in terms of measuring the success, you know, what does it look like? What, it, what is our retention rate? How are employees feeling? Do they feel like they're included? Do they feel like they belong? And if they're saying yes, and most of them are saying yes, then I feel like we're making steps in the right direction.
1: So as we kind of wrap up this conversation, I guess I would love to know, and for our listeners who are trying to figure out, all right, what do I do? Where, what next step do I take? Uh, like, what would y'all's suggestion be to others who really want to make an impact with diversity inclusion at their company?
0: I would say if you're an individual contributor, first thing you can do is just start talking to people, you know, talk to your team members, talk to your colleagues, find out what their experience is in your organization. And that's really going to reveal where those pain points are, where the gaps are, the things that need to be addressed. And you as an individual need to learn what it means to be an ally. Go out there and do your homework. Then, Take advantage of opportunities to champion others who bring different experiences
3: and perspectives. Definitely. And I would say to start where you're at right now, even if you don't have all the answers, get started. Some things you will learn as you go, but just start. Um, Make sure that your leadership is fully on board and that communication about everything that you are doing and wanting to implement gets communicated throughout the entire company. That way, everybody has that buy-in. Change is hard, so everybody might not be excited about it at first, but eventually they will respect it and value it. But it has to become part of your culture, not just a box to check off.
1: Oh, that's awesome. We say on the podcast all the time that like the secret to great companies is hiring really good people and keeping them as long as you can and this is just one other way that our you know the talent pool out there really a thing they care about. This is a way that we can attract better talent and at the same time we can hopefully make our communities and our businesses and the relationships that we're in better. And, um I know, like both of you have shared, uh, when I started putting myself in intentional environments where I was around people who weren't like me, which took intentionality like it, it, well, that was a I had to move somewhere, I had to work somewhere different, I had to have hard conversations with somebody that I wouldn't have otherwise. When I started to do that, all of a sudden, my understanding of all sorts of issues. Uh, that I didn't have came into play. And I think for for us, this is really important. That's one of the things I love about Belay. And I'm just really grateful for both of you and all the hard work that you've done to lead our company this way. So thank you. Um, It makes me want to work here too. So I really appreciate it.
0: Right, thank you.
1: Tonya, Beth, thank you so much for being with us today. Gosh, this conversation was so helpful. And I know for our listeners, uh, it's really given them some practical, actionable steps to go and figure out how to take a next step in their business to, you know, really promote diversity and inclusion and make a huge difference both in their community, but also in their ability to attract talent and with the lives they intersect. Um, gosh, this conversation has been so good, but we do have one more question that you're going to want to stick around for Beth and Tony are going to stick around and answer that for us. But the way you're going to get that uh, is you can subscribe to our email list and we'll send you a link to our bonus content, or you can go to one next step where you can find a link in our show notes to watch or listen to that. You're not going to want to miss it. But Tonya, Beth, thank you so much for joining us.
2: What a great conversation with Beth and Tonya Ryan. Wow. I really appreciated both of their compassion and commitment to diversity and inclusion. And they have absolutely made Belay a better place to work with their
1: efforts. Absolutely. I'll tell you, two of my team members here at Belay are on our D&I committee right now. And they would tell you that it's one of the most fulfilling things that they get to do in their jobs. And it really helps them bring their like whole selves to work. And I just really hope all of our listeners can take away something from today from you know, and really think about how they could apply some of these things uh, in their business. I want to say special thanks to Beth and Tonya for their time today and their dedication. It's been amazing what we've done. Now, as you know, LZ, every week we offer one next step for our listeners. So head to the show notes page for today's episode to access the fantastic DNI resource we have for you and take the first next step towards elevating your business.
2: Well, thank you so much for tuning into this week's One Next Step. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And if you're ready to start accomplishing more and juggling less, go to belaysolutions.com.
1: That's right. Join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you advance your business one step at a time. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com. Join us next week when our good friend Kevin B. Jennings from marketing consulting firm Junction 32 will visit with us once again. This time, he'll be talking with LZ about how to use social media and email marketing to grow your business. Here's a quick preview.
0: If you're thinking no one's buying from social media, that's because you're trying to skip the dating process. I just met you, let's get married. That's not how life works. It didn't work in your real life. It's not going to magically work online because you say it enough. And I think most people want to show up and just say, I'm awesome, please marry me, give me your money. And that's never going to work because it didn't work offline. It's not going to work online.